Did you know I have three number one best-selling books on Amazon? So regardless of your level, there's a book for you. Psychic Senses, How to Develop Your Intuition, Psychic and Medium Gifts, Leap of Faith, How to Build Your Own Spiritual Practice, and Coffee with Colby, 365 Cups of Fresh Brewed Spirit Messages. So regardless of your level, there's a book for you. Give one as a gift, keep one for yourself. You can find them on Amazon or my website, colbyrebel.com. Star, but only strictly where I'm famous. I'm in this foot along this hall, like we'll see where it takes us. I'm throwing back these double shots like whiskey here is weightless. Cause cause this career I chose was even riskier than Vegas, yo. Hello, hello everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Colby Rebel Show. I am your host, Colby Rebel, where we have a spectacular show in store for you tonight. So I want you to just stand by and be ready to literally be transformed. Uh, tonight is a very, very special guest that we have on air with us. This gentleman is a transformational coach speaker. He really, really is the next truth seeker, really helping you fulfill your purpose. He is a teacher, a speaker, a visionary guide, and an author of best-selling book, You Are the One and The Magic of Surrender. And as many of you know, in our spiritual business, it's all about surrender and it's really all about living your purpose. So we could not have a more perfect guest in the house tonight. So please put your hands together and welcome Coot Blackson. Hello. 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 <laughs> Hello, hello, Coot. How are you? Good. Hello, hello. Thanks for that beautiful welcome. Oh, I am so happy to have you. And just, I, it could not be more perfect, right? Could not be more for, for perfect. And there's so many things uh, that I want to ask you, so many questions. And I'm sure you get them all the time. I don't know how you don't walk down the street and people are just pulling you aside. But there's a lot we're going we're gonna to talk about and go through. And again, I just want to thank you for being here and for your time and your generosity. Um, a couple things. I, I would love to know. Where did you feel guided to, uh, to be a transformational coach? Where did this come in for you? Where did you know this was your life purpose? Yeah, I don't know if I know that transformational coach or guide was the specific form, but I grew up in a very kind of strange environment, but I didn't think it was strange at the time. So as a kid, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up in, in London, now in, in L.A., and ever since I was a child, I was very empathetic. So I would feel people's pain and suffering very deeply. There was a part of me that always wanted to alleviate people's suffering in some way. Uh, my first memories as a young boy was literally seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor. She picks up the sand that this man walks on, wipes it on her face and stands up. And so week after week, uh, I grew up around these miracles that seemed very normal to me. I, I would see the same man look at a woman in a wheelchair and say, why are you in this wheelchair? 
you're not sick, stand up. The same man would look at a person who had, um, who, who was blind and he would touch their eyes and sight would be restored. This man was my father. My father was considered a miracle man of Africa, had 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of followers, had a huge church in London, three to 4,000 people every Sunday. And so I grew up in this, this environment and at age eight, I started speaking in my father's audiences, age 14. I was ordained as a minister. I was supposed to take over my father's organization, um, but it never felt right for me. You know, the, the, the organized religion or the structure of the church didn't feel in alignment with my soul's purpose. And so what happened was as a young boy, uh, I would sneak into my father's library in his office and there were literally hundreds of books on the shelf of the self-help gurus, everyone from Wayne Dyer and Tony Robbins yeah. and Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson, Dan Millman, you know, Brian Tracy, the list goes on. Also Eastern mystics, Osho, Krishnamurti, you know, Maharishi Mashiogi. So as a kid, I started devouring this content. And as I started reading about the Western Wayne Dyers of the world, I started seeing a new possibility and a new way of, wow, maybe there's a different way that I can impact people. It doesn't have to be through religion or the church. So I would have visions as a young boy, speaking and writing books and inspiring people. I didn't know anything about coaching, but <laughs> there was a sense of wanting to, I would sneak, we lived behind my father's church. And so I would sneak into my father's church in the middle of the night and as a 11, 12 year old kid. And I would literally with the lights off, give seminars to the empty chairs, imagining hundreds, if not thousands of people's lives being transformed. And so uh, it took me, when my father announced that I was gonna take over his, his, his church, my heart sank. It took me four years to muster up the courage to, shall we say, have the conversation with my yes. father. My fear was if I owned my truth, if I dared to own my truth, that I would lose his love, I would be outcast, I'd be abandoned. And I think like so many of us, we hold back who we are. We hold back our authentic expression because we're afraid we won't be loved. And it yeah. took me four years to muster the courage. I looked into my, I felt the calling to come to the US, but also this pull of society and expectations. I looked into my future and I saw I could be successful by the world standards, my father's standards. But if I didn't have myself, if I didn't have my soul, if I didn't have my truth, what kind of success is that? And I felt this, this deep pain of committing soul suicide, that if I lied to myself now, I would have to lie to myself for the rest of my life. And so had the conversation, my father and I, we didn't speak for two years, which oh. was deeply heartbreaking, yeah. really heartbreaking. And then I, uh, I left everything behind. And in that moment, I felt like I was uh, free falling in the abyss of, uh, the unknown. And I said this prayer to God. I said, God, if, if my dreams are true, if this vision that I have in my heart to inspire people is real, I need a sign. I need support. I can't do this by myself. I have no money, no support, no, no, no one in, 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 wow. in the US, no college degree. Like what prospects do I have? But I feel the truth of this deep, pure desire to impact people literally within a week. Uh, someone hands me a magazine called The Economist. I pick up the back of, I pick up the magazine. I feel chills in my body. I felt there was something there. I look in the back. It says the, there was an ad. The American government is giving away 55,000 green cards in the green card lottery in a DV1 green card lottery. Long story short, I felt this download. You're going to win. Enter it. I entered it through the law firm and three, four months later, 
end up winning a green card. And that's what brought me to the US. I met many of the mentors and teachers and years later traveled the world, traveled to Thailand, studied with monks and you know Israel with rabbis. And I ended up in India, had some really transformation experiences in, in India. And out of that came my way of working with people and a deep desire to, I started off working one-on-one -on -one with people and then it grew to small groups and large groups and larger groups and two best-selling books. So that's a short version. Wow. And I know that feeling of, you know, worried about what, what is our family going to think, right? And how are they going to be accepting of this? But it does take a lot of courage to have that conversation, especially for you when there's kind of a lineage and an expectation to kind of carry on the family business, so to speak. Um, were you able to mend that relationship with your father? Was he able to embrace who you are and, and really be happy for your success? Um, the beginning of the mending of that relationship began, I would say, a few years after I was here. And it had nothing to do with him. I realized that it, it was funny because I, I, fell, I came to the U.S., fell in love with this beautiful girl. And she says, you know, could I, I think you have some anger towards your father. <laughs> you know, my response Thank you very much. The relationship is over. I mean, I just, I just left. I, ended it. I fell in love with, a, with another amazing woman. And this time I thought that she is the one, this is the one. And I was willing to do anything to make it work. And she again says, could I think you have some anger issues towards your father this time, because I didn't want to lose the relationship. I said, you know, let me get into therapy and work on myself. And so. I began to work on myself and I went to this men's retreat. It must've been 19, 20 years old. And I really got in touch with all of this rage, all of this anger, all of the sadness. Uh, ultimately, the feeling of hurt and grief that I felt and not feeling supported by my father. And when, when I really got in touch with that pain, I was able to truly forgive him okay. in such a profound way. And in that acknowledgement of the pain and the forgiveness of who he was and who he wasn't and that he did his best based on his own upbringing and childhood. Uh, it cracked my heart open to a deep, profound love that I have for him, regardless of if he changed or regardless of if he didn't. Um, and in that forgiveness, I, I kid you not, a week later, after two years, my father called me up. We hadn't spoken out of the blue. Wow. And he said, so for, it was it was making amends and healing the relationship with my father within myself. Right. And as I shifted that relationship with my father within myself, that's when it opened up the energy, the energy. And he calls me and he says, son, we need to talk. So that was the beginning of the healing. And then I think many years later, as things just, just step by step uh, progressed, we were you know, in, in a beautiful place. And I think he grew to respect me for who I was and the bold decision I, I, I took. And yeah, I think he really grew to respect me. I mean, there was a whole nother level of healing that happened for me once my mother passed away. And that was, that was really profound as well over the last four years, you know, and, and that, that's a whole nother story, but yes. We wow. A lot. Wow. You know, healing is a big part of our journey, isn't it? And yeah. I find that a lot of light workers like yourself, I think a lot of our experiences, we do have this trauma or this pain, but I think part of it is to overcome it so that we can help others, which is exactly what you do today and every day. 
one of the questions I have is, okay, so you are the one that is your first book, correct? That's the first. first yes. First book but, is you are the one and the second mm -hmm. one magic of surrender. Now, what inspired you are the one? And and when we say you are the one, I want to know what that means. I I have a I know what it means in a way I feel like, but I want to know what what inspired you to write it and what is the message of it? So I'll give that to you in a nutshell. Okay. Um, I always wanted to write a I always wanted to write a book. Uh, as a child, I would dream of writing books. It was it was books were my best friends. Books were my passion. I would read books at night, three four hours at night, uh, till midnight, falling asleep reading self help books. And so, I had a vision of writing books from a very young age. And you know, a combination of things. I think it was just time. It was the natural progression and evolution of having gotten to a place in my own human soul development where the next natural step was writing a book. The funny thing is the book I sold to the publisher, Simon & Schuster, was not the book that ended up being published. <laughs> that was what was amazing. Like I, I, ha I sold the book, multi six figure deal, and I was excited. I presented them a manuscript. They said, can you make some changes? Can you make some more changes? Finally, I said, you guys want a different book. And I resisted and then I had to surrender and I realized they're right. There is a deeper expression of my soul that is seeking to happen, which left me two months to write the book. And the yeah. book was framed around, I used to do these one-on-one uh, -on -one transformational journeys to India. I called it the liberation experience where I would take a person to India. I would take away your passport, take away your money. You have a backpack, a pair of clothes, one journal, no idea where you're going. You sign your will in case you don't come back. You write letters to everyone in your life in case you die. I did 19 of these journeys. They were life-changing, 12-day, flip you inside out, turn you upside down, uncondition every pattern inside of you. And the journeys were really special, really amazing. And I said, I would never write about these journeys because they were multidimensional, shamanic, yeah. spiritual in nature that it could never be captured on a piece of paper. And so my, my publisher's like, what makes you unique is you do these crazy intense journeys. You're not just a, a speaker, you transform people. We want you to frame your teaching through the journeys that you do in India. <laughs> and at first I was like, hell no. And then I, meditate, <laughs> I meditated on it and I thought, God is speaking to me. And I realized I needed to do that. And so the book is framed around the transformational journeys. I take my clients through in India and all of my teachings are framed around that. And you are the one was not the title I wanted to call the book again. <laughs> and, 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 and the essence is you are the one. And so many of us were waiting for our parents to change. We're waiting for the president. We're waiting for the mayor. We're waiting for our spouse. We're waiting for someone else to make the change, to be the change, to do it for us. And ultimately the essence of the book is look, nobody's coming. Right. Nobody's coming to change your life. Nobody's going to do it for you. And I had to get to, to that place in my life because in my early twenties, I wanted to do a talk show and be discovered by Oprah. And I felt <laughs> like I was just waiting. And then I realized Oprah's not going to knock on my door and, and make me famous or give me a platform to impact lives. If, if anyone's going to do it, I have to start. And I think so many of, so, so you are the one is really about taking responsibility for yourself in essence and taking responsibility for your life and taking responsibility for the change that you want to see by changing yourself and, and sharing your gifts with the world and not waiting for anyone else. And so 
it's an acknowledgement of the power that we have inside of us. So the book starts by saying, no one's coming. No one's coming to save you. Well, that's the first line. No no one's coming. I love that. What do you, um, what do you advise people on how to find their life purpose? I know that's a big part of what you do and talking about it, but how does someone find if they don't know, how do they find it? (laughs) Okay. I'm going to go maybe a little spiritual, then I'm going to bring it down to the human and give people some practical questions. Okay. First, I would say on both levels, first, I would say, stop seeking your life purpose. Stop seeking your your life purpose is an egoic strategy that is actually taking you further and further and further away from living the purpose of life right now. Ultimately, first and foremost, on a spiritual level, we are spiritual beings. We incarnate into this human experience in order to learn, to grow, to evolve, to realize and remember who we really are and learn lessons. It's through the experiences of life. If life is a school, every experience is part of the curriculum. And so every moment of life, if that is the case, every moment of life is a learning opportunity. And if the pur- then the purpose of life is to learn, to grow, to evolve, to realize our true nature as infinite beings, if that's the case, that means every moment of our life and every minute, every experience of our life is, in essence, the purpose of our life, so long as we're learning and growing and evolving. So it's not so much what you do, it's the degree to which you are learning and growing and evolving and, and using the experiences of life to remember who you really are. So the purpose of your life is now, the purpose of your life, of all of us on a spiritual level, is your evolution, not whether you get that job or achieve that thing, that job, that purpose, that that job, that goal, that desire is the evolutionary vehicle for you to learn the lessons so that you can evolve and grow your soul so that you can awaken. And so I think that's the ultimate purpose in and of itself. So whether you're cleaning the street, whether you're working a job that you hate, whether you're, you're doing something that you don't think is what you were born to do, you can still live your purpose so long as you're learning and growing and evolving. That's the bigger context. Now, on a human level, okay, well, what do I do now? Okay, here we go. Again, stop seeking your purpose. Seeking, 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 seeking. Some of us, we seek our entire lives and never share our gifts. And there are gifts inside of us. There are books inside of us. There are TV shows inside of us. There are poems inside of us that we never give because we're kind of seeking some, waiting for some moment, seeking a purpose. And so the ego's job, is to seek and 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 never find. Because the ego's job is to reinforce its existence. And so what one of the ways the ego, our perceived sense of self, reinforces its, its existence is through the process of seeking. And so sometimes we hide through the seeking of our purpose and we try to figure out what is my life purpose from our current level of consciousness. And we stay on the sidelines rather than sharing and doing and giving, we seek. So I tell people, stop seeking. Instead, move, just just start. You don't have to know where you're going in order to get to exactly where you need to be. In fact, from the level of the mind, level of, per, of the personality, many times when we think we know where we're going, we don't really know where we're going. We just have the illusion of thinking we know where <laughs> we're going. And so if you just start and you go, just go in the direction of what lights you up? What lights up your soul? What, where do you feel the resonance, the vibratory frequency of energy? What turns you on? What makes you most alive? For me, it was speaking. What would you do for free? Like literally for me, I, went, I was speaking every day to empty chairs for free <laughs> for eight years because it lit me up. It didn't matter if anyone was around. So 
go in the direction of the joy, the vibratory energy, where the frequency is high, what lights you up, move. When you take a step, what I found is life then reveals the next step in the process of taking that step. And you take the next step, life then reveals to you the next step in the process. And life keeps revealing to you the next step in the process yeah. of living. And in the process, you learn. In the process, you evolve. In the process, you become more. In the process, you expand your consciousness. In that evolutionary learning, you become more ripe and ready for the next level. But if we don't take the step and we stay on the sidelines trying to figure out our purpose, we never develop the mental, the emotional, the psychic, the spiritual muscle to be mature enough for the next level. So right. when you take that step, life, shall I say, you, you will often find that you live into your purpose rather than figuring out your purpose from this perspective over here. You end up looking around one day going, wow, I'm living it. It may, it may not be what you expected from the level of consciousness of five years ago and who you were back there. So you'd end up living into your purpose and your purpose can become a revelation. So some practical questions. Number one was, what do you love? What turns you on? What makes you come alive? Number two, ask yourself, what specific tangible skills do you have? Because you might say, well, I love, you know, basketball, but you're two foot one. <laughs> Probably that's not going to be the expression of, 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 what, of your purpose in this lifetime. And so I love Formula One racing, but I'm not going to be a Formula <laughs> One racer in this lifetime. You know, these guys have been doing it since they were three <laughs> years old. And so you look at what tangible, specific skills you have by looking at all of your entire life trajectory and past experiences. Every single thing that we've gone to, gone through. And some of those things that didn't make any sense, that job that you hated, that job that you wanted to run away from, that relationship, that bankruptcy, that difficulty. I believe that every single experience was part of the preparation that the cosmic chef was preparing us with different ingredients, a sprinkling of a little divorce there, a little breakup here, a little break, heartbreak there, you know, a, a job you hate there. All of those experiences, part of likely there were specific skills that we had to learn in those positions that were going to play a part of the fulfillment and expression of our purpose. So look at the tangible skills because we need to be practical. What do you love? What specific, specific skills do you have? Number three, look at what unique problem are you able to solve? What unique problem are you able to solve based on your skills? What gift do you have? What unique problem can you solve based on those skills? I always tell people, don't simply chase money. Money is a byproduct of adding value. We add value. Now, sometimes we think we add value, but in reality, in the 3D world, we add value when we're able to solve someone's pain, problem, or challenge. And when we solve someone's pain, problem, or challenge, then money is the energetic transference of that ability. And so when we focus on truly being of service, not just in the service of what we think of a service, but solving a prime problem yeah. or challenge, love him or hate him, you know, Jeff Bezos, Amazon, they solve the pain problem or challenge. Elon Musk solving a pain problem or challenge. Lastly, look at the group of people you feel an energetic connection to the homeless, the blind, the physically challenged, you know, teenage pregnant girls, the elderly, you probably feel a pull to this group of people because maybe karmically that's who you have a, an affinity to that might show you the group of people you are here to serve. 
Your purpose may not always be what you think it is. Your purpose will evolve as you evolve. So don't get attached to that. Your purpose is not your job. And I just would just wrap up by saying, don't wait, just start. When you start where you are, exactly as you are with what you have, then life gives you more. Many times we want to impact. This is where I was many years ago. I want to impact millions of people, but I wouldn't even help the elderly woman across the street, you know? Uh, and so what I learned to do was even when I had nothing, I said, you know what, if, if it's really about making an impact, I would see an elderly woman every Tuesday carrying, struggling with her grocery bags, struggling from the shop, from the store, from Air One. I was living near Air One, struggling. And I said, you know what? I can live my purpose right now by being of service. And I would mm -hmm. carry her bags. I just, I just would carry her bags, you know, from Air One, four blocks to her house, made a huge difference in her life. And this is a way where we can start. Start exactly as you are with what you have. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. And I think that is true. Sometimes uh, we see people and they'll just overthink. Am I doing the right thing? What is the thing? What is my thing? What would I do for free? <laughs> so I feel like this is um, really great advice and really will help people just go, hey, what? How can I be of service today? How, what can I do today to create a change? Um, and whether that's a smile on someone's face or like smile. you said, helping someone being pleasant. One of the things I love doing that is remembering names. You'd be surprised that when you go back somewhere wow. and you remember someone's name, like their face will really light up because they know that they're important somehow or some way. And it's just nice. It's such a small gesture, right? Just to kind of say, okay, what was their name and what is it? And, and, and I think it just brings a lot more meaning just to our day-to-day -day interactions with people as well. So, all right, so we have the magic of surrender. I think we kind of dabbled in it a bit here of trying not to overthink and letting the ego, but what inspired the magic of surrender? Was that something personally that you yes. experienced? Okay, do you mind just sharing a little bit with yeah. us about it? Okay, great, yeah, thank th you. Th this was not the book that I thought I was gonna write. I had my own agenda of the book I wanted to write, the book I thought would be a bestseller, the book I thought my audience would want. And I wrote an entire whiteboard of clever ideas of books I thought would, you know, be a New York Times bestseller. None of those books really felt authentic. None of those ideas resonated. The only word that resonated was surrender. So truthfully, I had to surrender my own ego. I had to surrender my own attachment to the book I thought I should write so that I could allow the book that was truly seeking to be written. The only word that resonated was surrender. And that felt aligned. And so how the book came about, I think, was in that moment, I got an epiphany of my entire life. And I thought, wow, everything that's happened in my life, I felt like I was, it was orchestrated for me to write this book. And so in 2016, uh, I was on a high promoting my first book, You Are The One. And life has a way of humbling you, you know, yeah. in, in a very profound way. Mm. Uh, I, I was told that my mother, end of 2016, had stomach cancer. And I was floored because I love, she was the person I loved the most. I, mean, I know unconditional love in this lifetime because of this woman. And she's impacted my life. We were like this. And so I started flying back and forth from LA to London to be with her in her chemo sessions. And I would sit with her for eight hours. I had every intention to 
to heal her and alternative therapies. We're going to get her well. And yeah. I think in two months, I realized, and maybe three months, I realized she's, I don't think she's going to make it. And so the first step was I had to begin surrendering to just where she was. I had to begin surrender. I realized my meditations, my mantras, my prayers wasn't going to work. And she had her own soul's journey in this lifetime. And when I let go and I began to surrender, it freed me up to no longer live in the future and just to be with her now. I would sit with her for eight hours in chemo and hold her hand and we would just talk. And it was like a fully embracing the now and the moment. And I began to think, I'll be like, all these moments, these ordinary moments that I thought were a waste of time that I had missed and how I'd missed so much of life because I was busy trying to get somewhere. And here I am just sitting with my mom, oh. having a cup of tea, eating a biscuit, sitting in the park. And all of these moments became so, I mean, so sacred, you know, mm. so sacred. And I think the book was planted because about seven months into the process, the doctors finally said, there's nothing else that we can do for you. Nothing we can do. So get your affairs in order you're going to die. And I was shocked. And I was, I was expecting the moment, but nothing prepares you for that moment. And I was heartbroken. And we went to the car outside the hospital. And I sat in the car holding my mother's hand. And I asked her two questions. The first one was, are you afraid? And her response was this Japanese woman. She said, uh, I'm not afraid. Because I know that I'm not going to die that my body is just a temporary vehicle for my soul. And even when this body dies, I will not die. I will be with you always. Oh. Don't fear. Guiding, guiding you from the other side. And that was a whole other journey after her death. And then I looked in her eyes and I said, is there anything that I can do for you that you need in your fight? What, what do you need in your final days? I wanted to be a good son. What do you need? What do you want? Where can I take you? And this Japanese woman floored me. She said, there's nothing I need and there's nothing I want. The only thing I want for my life is what God wants for my life. That's it. Oh. And in that moment, I was so humbled and I realized who my mother really was as a like enlightened being. I didn't realize, yeah. you know, and, and I realized that she was free this entire year, this entire time because she was surrendered. She wasn't attached to living. She wasn't attached to dying. She was totally surrendered to life and the highest unfolding of her soul's evolution. And that was her freedom. And I saw that surrender is the password to freedom. Surrender yeah. is the key to greatness. Surrender is the key to true manifestation, authentic manifestation. You know, we think that Surrender is weak or surrender is passive or surrender is waving the white flag and giving up or means you're going to be a victim or you won't manifest your goals, dreams or desires or you'll get less. I want people to really understand that true surrender in true surrender is grace in true surrender is the zone of miracles in true surrender. What if you didn't get less, but you got more like more than you could even imagine with your human mental capacity and your ego's capacity to imagine what's possible when you surrender you, you you go beyond yourself all of the great ones jesus buddha gandhi 
Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, yeah. you know, Mother Teresa, Mandela, uh, they all they, they all surrendered themselves to life, to their soul's purpose, to to a bigger vision, to the universe, to the divine. And in that surrender, they transcended their own human ego's limitations that they tapped into another dimension of the right. potentiality of the universe and life began to flow through them. And so surrender is letting go of control that we think we have. Surrender is, shall we say, when we stop trying to force life and surrender is when we let go of the idea of who we think we should be and how we think our life should be so that we can truly take the limits off of life and be open and be available and allow allow the infinite intelligence of the universe to use us and manifest through us in ways that we can't imagine. Yeah, that's so powerful because it is so hard when we want to control, you know, so, I mean, even, you know, I know myself, maybe even you, we find ourselves trying to control a situation, even though we know better, we have to take a step back and say, okay, wait a second, let's breathe through this. <laughs> but, but you know, what's great is I thought as you were talking about your beautiful mother, it was really interesting because one, one would think based on the childhood that your gifts today uh, were really instilled because of your father. But really, maybe this, maybe this all comes yeah. from the mother and the father taught you uh, the practicality of having the stage presence or having that confidence to do it. But maybe it all came from mom uh, as well, right? I realized my mother's <clears throat> true power. Yeah. And I realized that that power was in her surrender and her egoless selflessness. Yeah. And that I underestimate, you know, honestly, I underestimated because in our culture today, we tend to worship the sort of like, you know, rah, rah, yes. you know, the, the, the loud person and, my mother didn't need to be known. My mother didn't need attention. My mother didn't need, she just showed up and served everybody, yeah. literally everybody in profound humility, equally as though they were, shall we say a manifestation of God yeah. and not for fame, not for ego, not for the stage, not for YouTube just because that's what she was guided to do. And it was only in her death that I realized, to be honest, who she really was. Right. And that was really humbling. You know, yeah. she was the presence of love yeah. in such a profound way that it was magnificent. Now, when she died, uh, I felt closer to her because somehow my connection to my mother now wasn't limited to a physical form. Yeah. And, and I could feel her now all the time, not just in certain time, space moments. And so I would feel her all the time. And for the first time, I would feel her and my, my heart would break in moments of tears because I would feel her. And when I would really feel the essence of what my mother was, it was such pure love that to feel that was excruciatingly, painfully blissful in a yeah. strange way. Yeah. And I really got like, wow, this is what's real. You know, yeah. this is what's real. And so it's, 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 it's been really humbling. She seems to be so evolved, right? Um, yeah. 
do you get so i know you feel her presence and you hear her in our world we love signs and symbols do you do you oh, understand yeah. or receive any signs or symbols from your mother that you can share all the time. yeah all the time all Good. the time um you know it's funny before my mother passed away you know this is why i just want to say anyone who's lost someone just know that they haven't they're not gone they're always there we always have that connection to them and it's funny because because when my mother was passing away she was in ghana and i didn't plan to go see her till december and i got this strange feeling go see her now not thinking she was going to go now three days so two i was with her for three days the day i flew back to la that night, that next day, so that was a Sunday I flew back on the Tuesday morning, I could feel like, mm. I went into a uh, smoothie store in Los Feliz and I heard this song come on. And it, you know, it's the, is it the Sting song or the um, Sting's group, the police? Oh, okay. Um, every breath you, every oh, breath every you breath take. take, yes. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll be with you. And I knew that was my mother speaking to me. Oh. And in hours, hours after, I just knew like she's letting me know. Yeah. Hours later, I get a phone call from my from my cousin saying, "Your mother passed," oh. and and I just got to see her. And then and that so every now and again that song will play in specific moments, and I know she's speaking to me. Yeah. In so many ways. Yeah. I mean, there's so many there's so many miracles that have unfolded since she passed that felt like her energetic nudgings or guidance. Yes. I, mean, I could give you so many stories. Yeah. I love it. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, well, speaking of the books, let me just put, put these here so everybody can see them. You guys, you are the one, which we love that, right? The magic of surrender, finding the courage to let go. But uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about is now you do these retreats and you bring people mm. together. And, but I also know that you have something very special going on, a particular seminar, and I think there's a special offering. So do you mind just yes. sharing this uh, with everyone? Yeah, I would love to invite anyone that's been inspired, uh, depending on when people listen to this, but I know this is partially live, is this Saturday, May the 14th, I'm doing a very special live event, uh, virtual, so you can do it from anywhere. It's called Reinvent Life and Reinvent Life is all about how to reinvent yourself, how to let go of the old version of yourself, connect to your true authentic power and share your gifts with the world. And so in celebration of the launch of the paperback version of my book, uh, which came out May the 3rd, uh, whoever purchases the book by tomorrow, which is the 13th on Amazon, go to Amazon, purchase the paperback. Uh, and then you can get access to a bunch of free gifts. Plus you get to a free ticket to attend the reinvent life seminar for t for 2 hours on May the 14th Saturday this Saturday 9:30 a.m. Pacific time till about 12 Pacific time 2 and a half hours so yeah, www.cooplaxon.com. Yeah, let me reinvent. put that up here for them. There we go. Cooplaxon.com yeah. reinvent seminar. I love it, right? That's yeah. that's really great and do you feel fulfilled when you are teaching and helping is it still feel fulfilling does it still feel invigorating um is there anything else that it's, you're like saying what's my next step yeah i'm always kind of you know for me the question is yes so the answer is yes 
um, <laughs> it, it feels fulfilling and uh, what I was born to do, the gift that I have that is not my gift. It is uh, a gift that was given to me that I feel I have to share in some way. Um, and I'm always saying, okay, universe, you know, my prayer now more than anything, less than, okay, I want this, I want that, I want this, is more about um, universe, use me, use me in yeah. the highest way possible, uh, however you want to use me. And, and, and so I think the question we all get to ask ourselves in surrender is not so much, what do I want? What do I want? What do I want? But more about what, what is it? Yeah. To me, this is the surrender question. What is it that life wants to express through me? What is it that the universe wants to express through me? How is it that the universe wants to express through me? What is the deepest expression of life, the infinite, the divine intelligence that wants to express through me, the deepest impulse of what life wants to express through me? And I think my job, our job, is to feel into that deepest movement and expression so that we can align our personality with the movement of our soul, the movement of divine energy, then we can align our actions and our strategies and marketing based on that. And so I'm always feeling into, okay, what is, what is the deepest impulse and expression? And so, yes, I'm expanding a lot in different ventures also um, from real estate to different things and different ideas that, that I feel life is moving me into, into transmitting the same energy, frequency, intention, but in different industries. And so there's a, there's a lot happening. I love it. Well. How exciting though. And I just, again, I really want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be here to share your story and your wisdom and your inspiration with our listeners. Um, it really has been just such a pleasure and an honor. I'm just going to put those books up one more time here. Oh, thank you. Um, there you go. And I love it. I love you are the one. I mean, I have to say they did a good job with it. <laughs> <laughs> and the magic of surrender. So again, everyone, we will put that link out there. Um, let's just show it one more time, just so anyone wants to take a screenshot, keep an eye on it, but I would absolutely recommend it. And Ku, I just, again, I just want to thank you so much for being here and just for the blessing of yourself and for everything you do. Much love to your mother and father, who, of course, are always with you and around you. And just thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Have a wonderful day. And bye, everybody. I'll see you guys next week. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Colby Rebel Show. Be sure to follow Colby on social media at Psychic Rebel. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please head on over to iTunes to leave a review to help Colby grow the tribe. Colby is an international psychic medium, teacher, best-selling author, and speaker. She is a master teacher of the Lisa Williams International School of Spiritual Development.